0: Welcome to Zechudav, Siman by Avram Goldar, and today I'm going to the 7th parak, Hanodimina Yark. So the three topics we're going to focus on. Number one, the Gemara attempts to bring a proof that growths do not have the halakha of their roots, from a brisa, in which Shemishimim taught that any davar any prohibited item which has a method to permit it, such as tevil, which can be permitted through tithing, it forbids a mixture with even a minimal amount. But items which cannot become permitted, such as truma. All have proportions by which their mixtures would be permitted. Rabbi Shimon made a distinction regarding Shemitah growths. Regarding biur, removal, meaning consuming Shemitah produce before it must be removed from the house, it's a diversification matirin because it could be eaten and forbids a mixture with any amount. But regarding eating what became mixed after the time of biur, when it's forbidden to eat, then only enough Shemitah produce to give flavor in the mixture is forbidden. This includes a mixture of growths, such as a 6th year permitted onion which was replanted and grew in Shemitah. We see then that the growths during Shemitah are forbidden and are not extensions of the permitted root. The Gemara answers that ordinarily, growths have the same alaka as the root, and any growths of a forbidden root are likewise forbidden. In the reverse case where the permitted root would permit its growth, the rabbis restringe it not to allow the leniencies of the root. Point number two, the more brings a proof from another Bryce. Rabbi Shimon Lazar said about one pruning chasayos, a type of vegetable defined later as those whose roots do not decompose, such as garlic or onions, if he's pruning with a Jew who is suspected about Shemitah observance and thus needs to consider the possibility that the chasayos are Shemitah products replanted, but what he prunes in the year after Shemitah is permitted because... The possibly forbidden root has been sufficiently exceeded by the eighth year growths. This demonstrates that permitted growths nullify their forbidden root and are not forbidden themselves. Perhaps it's speaking of crushed chasayos. Since they were crushed before planting, they would not be significant enough to forbid their growths. The Gemara answer is that the Bryce is discussing someone suspected about Shemitah observance who would not bother to crush the chasayos to avoid the Shemitah prohibition of the growths. Permitting the growths is the sole purpose of crushing the chasayos before planting them. And point number three, having proven that Shemitah growths are permitted, the more asks that this should refute the opinions of Rabbi Jochen and Rabbi Jonathan, who said otherwise on the previous daf, Orla and Kalaim. The Gemara answers Shanya Shviz, Hoyov Isura de Karka, Beteglasa Namiel de Karka. Shmita is different because since its prohibition is a result of the ground, which imparts Shmita status, its nullification happens through the ground by the growth of the non-Shmita year. Orla, on the other hand, is forbidden because of the tree's insufficient age, and Kalim is forbidden because of the forbidden mixture. The Gemara says by Meiser, whose Tevil prohibition is a result of its growing in the ground, we find that Tevil produce, which is replanted in Shemitah, whose grows are hefker, and exempt from tithing, does not lose its Tevil status. The Gemara explains that the Meiser obligation actually does not stem from its growing in the ground, but from its completion by digun, becoming finished grain through piling. So once again, the three points are number one. The Gemara attempts to bring a proof that growths do not have the halakha of their roots, from a brice in which Rabbi Shimon taught that any damer, she is a prohibited item which has a method to permit it, such as tevil, which can be permitted through tithing, forbids a mixture with even a minimal amount. But items which cannot become permitted, such as truma, all have proportions by which their mixtures would be permitted. Rabbi Shimon made a distinction regarding shemitah growths. Regarding beer removal, meaning consuming shemitah products before it must be removed from the house, it's a davrashiesh matirin, because it could be eaten, and forbids a mixture with any amount. But regarding eating what became mixed after the time of biur, when it's forbidden to eat, then only enough Shemitah produce to give flavor in the mixture is forbidden. This includes a mixture of growths, such as a six-year permitted onion which was replanted and grew in Shemitah. We see then that the growths during Shemitah are forbidden and are not extensions of the permitted root. The Gemara answers that ordinarily, growths have the same alaka as the root, And any growths of a forbidden root are likewise forbidden. In the reverse case where the permitted root would permit its growth, the rabbis restring it not to allow the leniencies of the root. Point number two, the word brings a proof from another b'risa. Rabbi Shimon Lezer said about one pruning chasayos, a type of vegetable defined later as those whose roots do not decompose, such as garlic or onions, if he's pruning with a Jew, who is suspected about Shemitah observance, and thus needs to consider the possibility that the Chaisayos are Shemitah products replanted, but Motsi what he prunes in the year after Shemitah is permitted because the possibly forbidden root has been sufficiently exceeded by the eighth year growth. This demonstrates that permitted growths nullify their forbidden root and are not forbidden themselves. The Gemara asks, Perhaps it's speaking of crushed chasayos. Since they were crushed before planting, they would not be significant enough to forbid their growths. The right answer is that the Bryce is discussing someone suspected about Shemitah observance who would not bother to crush the chasayos to avoid the Shemitah prohibition of the growths. Permitting the growths is the sole purpose of crushing the chasayos before planting them. And point number three, having proven that Shemitah growths are permitted, the we more asks that this should refute the opinions of Rabbi Yochan and Rabbi Yonason, who said otherwise on the previous daf, by Orla and Kalayim. The Gemara answers: Shania Shvi's, "Hilvi Isura de karka, b'teilasa nami karka." Shmita is different because, since its prohibition is a result of the ground which imparts Shmita status, its nullification happens through the ground by the growth of the non-Shmita year. Orla, on the other hand, is forbidden because of the tree's insufficient age, and Kalim is forbidden because of the forbidden mixture. The Gemara asks that by Meiser, whose Tevel prohibition is a result of its growing in the ground, we find that Tevel produce, which is replanted in Shemitah, whose grows are Hefker, and exempt from tithing, does not lose its Tevel status. The Gemara explains that the Meiser obligation actually does not stem from its growing in the ground, but from its completion by Digun, becoming finished grain through piling. All right, so now we go to our Simmon daf Nun ches, and our standard Simmon is Noch Goldberg, the zookeeper, not to be confused with Noah, the biblical figure, it's Noah Goldberg, the zookeeper. So here goes. Noah Goldberg, the zookeeper, who heard that the animals were not fed because someone dropped a tiny bit of tevel into their food, making it all usher, as a davar matirin, told his staff to feed them chasayos, which were grown in the eighth year by the gardener, suspected of violating Shemitah observance, and explained that because Shemitah's prohibition is a result of the ground, so too is its nullification. Once again, it's a motion. No Goldberg the zookeeper, No Goldberg the zookeeper, that must be learned off, Nunches, Noach. No Goldberg the zookeeper, who heard that the animals were not fed because someone dropped a tiny bit of tevil into their food, making it all usher as a davrashiesh matirin, which reminds us, the Gemara attempts to bring a proof that growths have the halakha of their roots from a bryson in which Rabbi Shimon taught that any davrashiesh matirin, any prohibited item which has a method to permit it, such as tevil, which can be permitted through tithing, forbids a mixture with even a minimal amount, but items which cannot become permitted, such as truma, all the proportions by which their mixtures would be permitted. So no Goldberg the zookeeper who heard that the animals were not fed because someone dropped a tiny bit of tevil into their food making it all lesser. As a Matirin told the staff to feed them chasayos, which were grown the eighth year by the gardener suspected of violating Shemitah observance, which reminds us, Rabbi Shimon Olazer said about one pruning chasayos, a type of vegetable defined later, as those whose roots do not decompose, such as garlic or onions, in Israel if he's pruning with a Jew who was suspected about Shemitah observance and thus needs to consider the possibility that the chasayos are Shemitah produce replanted. What he prunes in the year after Shemitah is permitted because the possibly forbidden root has been sufficiently exceeded by the 8th year growth. So, Noach Goldberg the zukibu, who heard that the animals were not fed because someone dropped a tiny bit of tevel into their food, making all asr as a davr sheezh matirin, told his staff to feed them chasayos, which were grown in the 8th year by the gardener suspected of violating Shemitah observance, and explained that because Shemitah's prohibition is a result of the ground, so too is its nullification, which reminds us, having proven that Shemitah growths are permitted, the Gemara has said this should refute the opinions of Rabbi Jochen and Yonasan, who said otherwise on the previous dach by Orla and Kalayim. The Gemara answers, Shanya shviz, hoyo al yidei karka, b'teila nami al yidei karka. Shemitah is different because, since its prohibition is a result of the ground, which imparts Shemitah status, its nullification happens through the ground by the growths of the non-Shemitah year. Oral, on the other hand, is forbidden because of the tree's insufficient age, and climb is forbidden because of the forbidden mixture. So once again, No Goldberg, the zookeeper, who heard that the animals were not fed because someone dropped a tiny bit of table into their food, making it husser as a double she'eshul told the staff to feed them chasayos, which were grown in the eighth year by the gardener, suspected of violating shmita observance, and explained that because shmita's prohibition is a result of the ground, so too is its nullification. Alright so now it's time for four bois chazara. Daf nundalod so the simmer Duff Nandalid is noodles and we often use a pasta chef. So here goes. The noodle chef's agent noodle chef, that must be more duff nundalod. The noodle chef's agent, who asked the chef if he meant he should buy gourds when he couldn't find any greens, which reminds us, the seventh parak begins, One who vows from greens, which are vegetables where the leaves are eaten, is permitted in gourds, which are considered fruit of the ground, since the fruit is eaten and not its leaves. But Rebekiva forbids it. The humor explains that their malchokas revolves around the issue of an item that a shliach would typically consult with the sender about if it's included or not in the original term. So the noodle chef's agent, who asked the chef if he meant he should buy gourds when he couldn't find any greens, accidentally served a customer liver instead of meat from a hectic animal. Which reminds us, more quotes a mission which states, Ashliuch who performed his shrikhus, the Baalbites has committed meal. Meal is an exception to the general rule that one is not chai for never done through Ashliuch. Well, as a Mal, if he did not perform his assignment, the Shli'ch has committed Me'ilah because he has acted on his own. The Mishnah illustrates this principle with a case where the Baal Bais instructed his Shli'ch to give his guests meat, which he didn't realize was hectish meat, and instead the Shli'ch gave them liver, which was hectish, or the reverse, then the agent is high for Me'ilah because he didn't carry out his instructions. So, the noodle chef's agent who asked the chef if he meant he should buy gourds when he couldn't find any greens, accidentally served a customer liver instead of meat from a hectic animal. So to make amends, he prepared a bowl of noodles with well-boiled fowl for the chef who had just returned from a bloodletting procedure, which reminds us. The more quotes of Bryce in which the Tanakama said that one who vows from meat is forbidden in fowl, but permitted in fish. Abai explained that this is a case where he let blood before vowing because he wouldn't eat fish anyway in such a condition since it's harmful, so he didn't intend to prohibit it by an netter. The Gemur objects by providing three sources that eating fowl is also harmful after bloodletting, so his net should include neither fish nor fowl. The Gemur answers that fowl, when boiled well, is not harmful after bloodletting. Daf Nun Hay to the Simmer Daf Nun Hay is a speed limit sign of 55. The cop who pulled over a Talmud for going over the 55 mile per hour limit, 55 miles per hour? That must be wearing Daf Nun Hay. The cop who pulled over a Talmud for going above the 55 mile per hour limit because he was in a rush to ask his Rebbe whether rental property is included in Alalta, which reminds us the more discusses what is included in a netter from Dagan and Tua and whether the word Alalta, which means profit or gain, includes rental profits. So the cop who pulled over a Talmud for going above the 55 mile per hour limit because he was in a rush to ask his Rebbe whether rental property is included in Alalta... Order the Talmud to explain the Pasuk um, Umimidbar Matana, which reminds us Rav Yosef made Rav expound the Pasuk um, Umimidbar Matana to encourage Rav to humble himself. And Rav Darshan, if a person makes himself like a desert which is open to all to teach Torah, then the Torah is given to him as a Matana, a gift. So the cop who pulled over a Talmud for going above the 55 mile per hour limit because he was in a rush to ask his Rebbe whether rental property is included in al Order ordered the Talmud to explain the Pasuk um, Umimidbar Matana. And then, realizing that his wool uniform was tight, said Conan from Wool from coming on to me, which reminds Rebutus says regarding making a netter from wool or flax, a colophia noter, everything depends on the valor, meaning the context in which the netter was made. A Bryce that illustrates Rabihuda's opinion, if he was wearing a woolen garment and was uncomfortable, the run explains it was too small, and he vowed from wool coming on me he is forbidden in woolen clothing but permitted to carry it. But if he was carrying flax and perspiring and vowed from flax coming on me he is permitted to wear flax and forbidden to carry it. Daf nun vav. So the Simmer daf nun vav is a shusher and shul going nu 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 nu. The Shusher and shul Shusher and shul. That must mean one daf nun vav nu nu. The Shusher in Shul, who lived in an upper story, because he was sold a house within a house, which reminds us of whether one who makes a nether from a house includes the alria, the upper story. And Ula says, if a seller says, I'm selling you Baiz Bebezi, a house in my house, he may show him the upper story, meaning he can later claim that the inferior upper story is the sole property, since the burden of proof is on the buyer attempting to take possession. So the Shusher and Shu who lived in an upper story because he was sold a house within a house, stood on his dargush which was next to his bed, right by the window, which reminds me of Mahouz whether one who makes a neder on his bed includes a dargush, which is determined to be a bed made of a leather sheet that is tied onto the bed frame with loops. So, the shusher and shu who lived in an upper story because he was sold a house within a house stood on his dargosh, which is next to his bed, right by the window, to loudly shush the man who had taken a vow from the city that he was speaking too loudly while wrongly standing in its seventy and two thirds amos extension. Which reminds us the next mission states. <laughs> One who vows from a city is permitted in its tomb of 2000 amos, but it's forbidden in its 72 thirds amos extension because the extension is considered a part of the city. sein, so the symbol sein is nose, and we often use Pinocchio. So here goes. The Pinocchio puppet Pinocchio. That must mean one Daph. Nunzai knows. The Pinocchio puppet that had been exchanged for fruit that one had said Konum these fruit on me, and was also deemed forbidden, which reminds us the next Mishnah states one who says Konum Perusa io alai konum hen alpi conum hen la fi. If one says Konum these fruit on me, or these are conum upon my mouth, or these are konum to my mouth, Asubakilfen Ubagiduen, he is forbidden even in their exchanges, meaning goods received in exchange for them and in their growths, meaning that which grows from them. The run explains that by specifying an object, it's like hectish and therefore shares these two properties of hagdish. So, the Pinocchio Puppet that had been exchanged for fruit that one had said, Konam these fruit on me, and was also deemed forbidden, was tossed out in a on top of an onion that was picked during Shemitah, and then replanted in the eighth year, which reminds us, the more presents the question, Batzo She'akar B'Shvirs, an onion that was picked during Shemitah, giving it Shemitah sanctity, and he then replanted it during the eighth year, and its new growth exceeded its original root, what is the halacha? Do we say, since the growths exceeded the root, those permitted growths nullify the forbidden root and the entire plant is permitted or not. Rather, the growths are themselves forbidden as an extension of their forbidden root. So the Pinocchio puppet that had been exchanged for fruit that one had said, Conan these fruit on me, and was also deemed forbidden, was tossed out and landed on top of an onion that was picked during Shemitah and then replanted in the eighth year, right under an old tree which had a young tree with fruit that was Orla, grafted onto it, which reminds us, to held that new growth does not nullify the old root, rather the growth itself is forbidden as an extension. Rabbi Yochanan said that a young tree with fruit, which was forbidden as orla, which was grafted onto an old permitted tree, even if the fruit grew 200-fold, which is the requisite amount for orla nullification, they remain forbidden, despite the fact that the young tree is considered part of the old tree, and its new growths would be permitted if not that they grew from forbidden fruit. Alright, so that concludes today's year. This is Rebbe Golden, and Zichwisch and a great day and great learning.